Stop what you're doing. We got new content on the way. I need you to stay tuned. We got a new interview coming up. It's about to be fire. About to learn something you probably never knew before. Stay tuned. Dubs Club up next. Boom, boom, boom. I'm with Arnold Lee Tarpley III, my homeboy, my official visit roommate, uh, former Vanderbilt Commodore DB, damn near linebacker, um, now Memphis elite defensive back and working his way up, and we're here live. Arnold, how you doing? Good, man. Thank you for having me. I'm looking forward to getting here and talking and giving the people what they want. Of course, of course, you know, so I'm kind of doing this segment right now, and it's like I'm doing up-and-coming people, like, you know, I have a tattoo artist on there, I have Kurt, you know, upcoming musician, artist, Ryan White, up-and-coming with his own business, and, you know, just like before they were famous type of people, so I kind of want to interview you, because I know your background a little bit, and I know where you're going and what your goals are, but I just want the other people to hear, this is your chance, this is your platform for other people to hear who you are, what you're doing, your goals, some thoughts on life, so we're just going to start it off. Let me get a little background information on you, you know, where you're from, what you rep, all that good stuff. Um, so yeah, um, as I know, the third, but I go preferably by Trey, um, originally from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, uh, went to Central Catholic High School. Uh, and then came down to Vanderbilt, uh, like uh, we just kind of talked about. Played uh, four years under Derek Mason. Um, then after that, uh, actually tore my ACL going into the, our last game of the season. Ended up uh, having a rehab for about eight months. Found out about the Alliance of American Football. Uh, went to the trial down in Atlanta. Didn't get any feedback back. Um, then after that, Moved from Pittsburgh. After I graduated, I went back to Pittsburgh and continued to rehab. So uh, before I went down to the combine, I was just working. Um, and then got an opportunity for my uncle. Uh, got a job opportunity to move to live with him in Nashville. I'm um, using the resources and the relationships that I developed at Vanderbilt. Uh, came down there and was able to um, uh, train with uh, the strength coaches at Vanderbilt. And also get a job while I was down there in Nashville. Just continue to pursue the dream. I got in contact with the general manager, came down to Memphis to do a trial, an open trial for the team. There's like three or four spots left. Um, ended up making it, I came to training camp, ended up making the 52-man uh, roster, and we're here now. So it's a little background on me and uh, my journey so far. Right, right, right. Yeah, I know the whole story. I know what you've been through. I know what's going on now, and I'm, I'm kind of confident about knowing the next steps, but... I want to go back all the way back to you know, you know, middle school days, your pop Warner days, your peewee football. When did you start playing football? Like, when did that start becoming like you know a hobby or a passion of yours? Uh, so I started playing football when I was six, um, and then uh, I was actually a pretty heavy basketball fan, um, but really not the greatest basketball fan <laughs> now. But <laughs> at the time when I was younger, I was really passionate about basketball. Uh, looked up to Kobe Bryant. Wanted to be a professional basketball player. I uh, didn't really care too much about football. Just kind of did it because you know a lot of the guys did it. And, you know, just wanted to be out there with uh, friends and everything. Um, then it became kind of serious for me as I got into uh, high school. I 
start taking it a little bit more serious. Um, so I can see the girls and coaches kind of saw some potential in me, but yeah, I was more of a basketball guy growing up. Basketball guy, football. I mean, do you think if you would have continued to play basketball, you would have been at the same level you are now versus where you are with football? Uh, no, nah, honestly, <laughs> probably not, um, probably not, uh, just honestly, um, just because I feel like, at least coming from Western Pennsylvania, we're pretty tough for football. Um, we don't really have the whole basketball thing going too much. Uh, it's not really something that a lot of people are too too passionate about. There are a few that make it out and they, you know have success, but to play at a professional level, um, whether it be you know NBA or G League or NFL or um, not the Alliance, uh, it, it, I don't necessarily think I would be in the same spot that I'm in. But I don't consider it. I beg to differ. You have extreme work ethic. You're athletic. I mean, it, I mean, anyone who's athletic, I mean, can make it to the league in the NBA. Don't. I mean, I'm probably going to get backlash for saying this, but I think if you have athleticism, they can teach you how to shoot a damn basketball. They can teach you defense. So I definitely think you could have made it just as far with basketball, whether it be overseas, the G League, or anything. So don't doubt yourself on that. So as we move forward, we're getting into high school. And you're, were you a star player right away? Did you have to, you know, work your way through the ranks of, you know, freshman, then JV, or how did that process go? Um, so, yeah, so initially, uh, my first, or my uh, freshman year of high school, uh, I came in, didn't start, uh, I was on a freshman team. <laughs> we had a freshman team, a JV team, a varsity team. Uh, so I came in, freshman year, didn't start, um, Ended up starting, like, the last two games of my freshman year. Uh, sophomore year, uh, they had moved some of the guys up that I had played with on the freshman team to the uh, varsity team. I was not one of those guys. Uh, I actually was a backup behind um, a freshman that had came in who was moved up to the JV team. So, I only think I started one game uh, my sophomore year. On um, the junior year, I had uh, one of our coaches from the varsity team you know, pull me to the side and said, Hey, man, you got a lot of potential. Um, you know, do this, this, and that, um, and just focus on these things in the offseason. I think you'll be good to go. So I listened to what he said, um, just put my head down, ended up uh, getting a starting job going as a junior year, but still wasn't like a D1 athlete by any means. Um, and then uh, going to that next offseason, something clicked. Uh, I think I saw some of my peers that I grew up playing Little League football with becoming uh, Division One uh, athletes and prospects. And I was kind of always like, you know, I, I'm just like these guys. You know, we all played together. I don't really see what the difference was, but I saw that their mindset was different. Right. And that the mindset that I had uh, wasn't adequate to um, having that Division One level success. And all the guys that did, they had a similar knack to them. Um, it's just something about them that made them a little bit different. Um, so I just then, therefore, I uh, ended up basically pushing myself into a tryout for a 7-on-7 team. Um, team 412 and uh, Team Swag, they had an open trial, so I went there, and that was a real eye-opener for me to kind of see the passion and the, the dedication from a, because uh, everything else was from outside looking in, because I mean, we didn't all go to the same high school, but just getting around those guys and playing on 7 on 17, uh, a lot of, just to the trial, showed me that I had a long way to go, um, and I left that night, and you know, me and my me and my best friend uh, went, went, went back to my house, we were just chilling, I told him, like, hey man, I'm, I'm going to be a Division one athlete. That's when I really kind of started learning the power of the mind. Um, and from that point forward, I just, you know, put in the work uh, that off season of that junior year. 
Um, went to a bunch of camps, but didn't get any looks. But I was just super dedicated. Like I'm gonna make this happen. Um, and then just ended up, you know, ended up at Vanderbilt after a long journey. Um, got an offer two weeks before signing day. Um, was one of the last recruits that got picked up by Coach Derek Mason, um, which was a blessing. Um, ended up having to side between uh, Vanderbilt and Boston College. It's kind of how I ended up at Vanderbilt. Yeah. So I mean, explain the. I mean, early on, you didn't really understand as much as you do now as far as the power of the mind, but, like, maybe for young listeners that are listening and people out there that are, you know, struggling that are listening, explain that the power of the mind to, to people and and how it works for you and how you think it can benefit others. Um, I mean, it's, it's important. I think uh, your mind is everything. I think it's essential for anything that you do. I think that um, the biggest thing for the mind is that uh, for a lot of people, if you don't have something that you can see, it's hard to believe it initially. Um, and I think that uh, whether you see somebody else close to you do it or you watch somebody else do something, um, whenever you see that, you know, you, you can accomplish it as well. Um, so just having that self-belief. But honestly, I think uh, for me personally, something that, you know, I feel like a lot of people could use is just um, whenever you watch or look at somebody, don't look at them and in regards to their um, more than life. So whenever you look at, you know, uh, maybe a professional athlete that you aspire uh, to model some of your game after or somebody that you look up to, uh, yes, you want to, you know, aspire to, you know, do the type of things that they've done, but don't look at them in regards that you're not able to accomplish that same level of success. Um, whenever you look at them, you know, they've been in your shoes. Whenever they say things like, you know, I've been here before, you know, all you have to do is, if you believe it, you can make it happen. They're, they're speaking from a truthful perspective. They're not just trying to uh, spit you things that, you know, seem redundant or anything like that. Uh, they're actually telling you the truth. And I think uh, a lot of times, at least I know for me, when people would tell me that, I would just kind of shrug them off. But essentially, they're, they're really speaking to you from a place where they've been there before. And um, you have, you know, you have to understand how to use your mind. And a lot of the little different things that you can do, whether it be, um, you know, using different apps for mindfulness and uh, meditation, things like that, just to kind of have center in yourself. But just from the basics, um, you know, from things that you say, uh, things that you think about, um, trying not to reinforce negative thoughts. Uh, these are all important things that just allow you to be successful. And whenever you just consistently do that day after day, um, you create a mindset for yourself uh, that allows you to be successful in whatever you do. And this doesn't just pertain to sports. Uh, this can be life. This can be school. I mean, it works in a variety of different ways. Whenever you tell yourself something in your mind, you set your goal that you're going to make it happen. Um, you're going to find a way to make it happen, uh, regardless of whatever your circumstance may be. Right. How, how, after listening to that, how important is reading to you? Because, I mean, a lot, of, uh, I mean, you're an intelligent dude, but a lot of that just doesn't come naturally. So, I mean, I'm sure you've read. And what, like, what type of books do you read and how often do you read? Is that super important to you or do you just... You know, you see something online, you, you read it for a little bit, or are you diving into books about this stuff? Um, so, yeah, initially, uh, you know, back in high school, I'd watch a lot of videos um, and things like that. But as I continued to grow and want to develop myself further, um, the people that I was just uh, looking up to and things of that sort, I saw that they read a lot. And uh, some of the most intelligent people, um, you know, aside from when I just talking about sports, we're talking about, because, you know, this is a... It's a, it's a marathon, so you know there's definitely life after sports. So you want to continue to allow yourself to grow. So um, just looking at 
looking at people who have a lot of success. A lot of the most successful people read a lot. So for me, um, I'm definitely a guy that reads. Uh, I know uh, not this past season of my life, but in 2017, um, in the summertime, I dedicated myself to reading 50 pages a day. Um, and the books, the books uh, vary, uh, whether it's spiritual books, but a lot of them were just self-help books, um, just about improvement. Uh, there's a great book called Deep Work. Uh, I forget exactly who it's by, but it's a yellow book. Um, it's phenomenal. It's around 300 pages, but that was essential uh, for mindset. Um, I also listened to podcasts, uh, a podcast called I'm Not You um, by a guy named Lee Shobo. Uh, listen to that. He's real powerful. So really just um, being able to tap into different things because some people aren't. Uh, one thing I did learn that I think is essential for everybody is that some people aren't necessarily, uh, they don't have to read. It's, it's more, a lot more difficult for them to read something. Um, to understand some people like to listen. depends on how you like to learn. Um, some people need to be hands-on and see speakers. Uh, some people need to write things down. Uh, so just figuring out whatever works for you is essential. I feel like I've tried a lot of things. Um, and for me, I think uh, reading is probably the most powerful. And then second to that would be uh, just listening to podcasts, whether I'm just you know driving into work or uh, just riding a training or something like that. I feel like those are essential for uh, ways to grow. Yeah, I mean... But I, I recently just got into podcasts. I mean, I, I love listening to podcasts. It's just, it, it's like things I would have never assumed or knew about if I didn't listen to podcasts. I like to listen to Joe Rogan. He has some good people on there. You know, have you heard about David Goggins? I have. David I have Goggins. I one of his interviews. Uh, like, during training camp, I think it was. Uh, amazing, amazing, yeah, amazing guy, amazing story too. Dude's legit. He makes you want to go out and buy his books, but until I stack up that paper, we just gonna get them free podcasts. <laughs> you know, right, right. but yeah, I mean, it's super important. I mean, even I said this in one of my last podcasts, but podcasting, journaling, you know, reading—it's just helped a lot, regardless of you know. If I'm trying to better myself from an athletic standpoint, mentally, all that stuff. So I mean, I, I I agree with that. Let's get back. Let me let me rewind. Get back to the topic. All right, you you finish high school, you get two. You get the uh, you get your two offers, your top two, and you're deciding between Boston College and Vanderbilt. What was the deciding factor? Why did you choose Vanderbilt over Boston College? Uh, the deciding factor really came down to one important thing for me. Uh, I told, I always told myself, uh, whenever I had that day, I was just telling you about whenever I was talking to my best friend about, you know, you want to be division one athlete. I also told myself, made a dedication to myself that, uh, I was going to make it to the NFL. That was the first moment I said it out loud and believed it. Um, you know, I said it sometimes, you know, when I was younger, but I didn't necessarily believe it in that. The conviction that I had uh, when I spoke really allowed me to believe it. And going to my final decision, uh, you know, I like some of the coaches at, at Boston College. They, they were great guys. It was nothing against them. But I did I always felt like I could go play in the SEC, which would be the best competition week in and week out with guys that are going to NFL and playing at a high, high level. Um, if I'm able to play there, and I'm able to compete there and start there and make plays in that league, I have enough confidence to go to the NFL and do the same thing. Right. And uh, nothing against the ACC because you know, Clemson's playing well for the state. I mean, a lot there are a lot of good teams that came in at the, uh, the ACC and have you know been doing well the past previous years. But uh, just for the track record uh, sake, uh, I just know that the 
type of football you're going to get down to SEC. Uh, and on top of that, uh, it was just obviously the education speaks for itself. Boston College has a high education as well. But just the whole SEC aspect of it, knowing my ultimate goal was to make it to NFL, I knew that um, playing against that competition would put me in the best position to have confidence um, whenever I do get that opportunity to succeed and uh, continue to thrive. Yeah, I mean... I would love, I don't know, it's different. Vanderbilt's a different school, I'm sure a lot of people know that, but it's not, you really can't know it until you experience it. We don't have, you know, the primetime facilities and, you know, sold out games every every other day, but it's, it's a different environment, and I wonder if, like, do you think kids need to look at that more? Like, what's your whole thought process on recruiting nowadays? Because, I mean, when we were coming up, recruiting wasn't, like, super big but now you know we got guys doing whole videos and paying for people to make these videos and you know social media is such a strong aspect in terms of recruiting how do you think kids should handle recruiting nowadays you think parents need to be more involved like what's the process with that i think um i think parents should be involved to a degree i think we've seen numerous cases where parents are overbearing you know, there's almost this cloud of resentment. It feels like over some children's or some, I'm sorry, some kids' uh, decision to go to school. Um, and I think that, you know, they should have, a, they should have a, a say, but shouldn't necessarily do too much. And I say that because uh, whenever you leave, whenever you're not in your parents' house, you are actually on your own. Um, so if you make a decision based on somebody else that's not going to be there, you know, three three quarters of the year when you're uh, spending your time, if not more, uh, at school or training, especially with sports, uh, that's just a bad situation you want to be in because you don't feel like you made the decision for yourself. But at the same time, they have a, a they have an amount of experience and understanding when they look at situations that they can kind of give you some insight. So I think that you need to take what they're saying um, seriously, but also make the decision for yourself in terms of. The videos and everything, I think that uh, it's a little much, um, and it is it is pretty cool, but it's also just a little much just because at the end of the day, uh, my biggest thing that I've learned from that whole experience about recruiting and going forward, anything that I would tell somebody is that uh, the experience is what you make it. Uh, you can go to you know any school, um, and if you develop the relationships and you develop the connections, you know you can do whatever you know whatever you want to do. Um, but you can also go to a school like Vanderbilt or Duke or North Carolina or Stanford and be to yourself and not develop any relationships at all with anybody and not, you know, be cool with anybody and just be kind of football-centered and, you know, at the same time not develop any relationships that may help you after. Uh, so just in terms of, it's really all about what you make it, I feel like. Uh, it's not always about what the school what the school actually is, but it's about what it offers and what you can get out of the school. Um, and you can get as much or as least, uh, or as much or as less uh, out of a school, just depending on how you approach the situation and your attitude and um, how you go about networking. Because the football side is going to be the football side. Um, you're going to have good coaches. Uh, you're going to put yourself in the best position if you work if you work towards it. Going back to what I said earlier, if you want it to happen, it's going to happen. If you put your mind to it, um, it will happen. Um, so that that necessarily uh, doesn't really have much to do with the, the situation because there's guys that come out of D3. There's guys that come out of D2. There's guys that come out of D1 to play. 
you know, it's guys come from two, I mean, there's people coming from everywhere and every walk of life uh, becoming successful uh, when they have that mindset. But in terms of connections and the decision that you make to go to school, I feel like uh, that's just all based on you. Right. Yeah. Make a good point. So we're getting back uh, to Vanderbilt. Explain a couple seasons to me. I know you started as a true freshman. Uh, I think you played nickel, and I'm pretty sure your first game, like we we played Temple. There was a huge delay, like lightning warning. We ended up playing at like 11 p.m. or 10 p.m. And you went out there and you balled. I mean, I don't think you were necessarily satisfied with how you played, but damn it, it looked it looked good to everybody else. And uh, how, how was that experience coming? You know, as far as you did to come out and start your first game versus Temple, a school. Uh, didn't you get recruited by Temple, right? Yes. Versus yeah. school that recruited you, and you went out there and you know you did your thing. Explain that to me. Um, yeah, it was it was definitely an interesting experience. Uh, went out there, uh, played well. I'm not gonna lie, I was very I was very nervous. Um, but it, it was fun. It was a good experience. Just kind of get out there. Um, not gonna lie, I thought I knew, thought I had the game down in one game, and uh, it was very eye opening. Uh, when we kind of got into the SEC play, but just in terms of that experience, um, as a freshman, all around, it was great. Um, it was great to just get out there and compete. Uh, also allowed me to see a different level of mindset in some of the guys, you know, we played against that season. Um, just to kind of see where they were at, just kind of stack up that mindset part of this. So I think it was good. It was fun. Uh, it was definitely a blessing to be able to be out there. Uh, I just, just, just performed it so, so, uh, so the times that I had. Yeah. I mean, you run up against guys like, man, who do, who do we play freshman year that was like super legit? Didn't you, wait, wait, wait. You, Todd Gurley. Todd Gurley, Dak Prescott. I mean, yeah. you going against the cream of the crop. Do you think that like, you think you could have got any other experience like that anywhere else? I mean, I know you're saying players are coming from all over nowadays, but I'm talking, you're talking about like the top 1% of players. You think that, really shaped your game or do you think you could have got that anywhere i don't feel like i could have got that anywhere personally um and nor do i think that i could have got that anywhere uh, that quickly um to get that level of experience as a freshman was very eye-opening it uh it is interesting to see where your mindset goes from you know when you're a freshman to a sophomore to a junior to a senior um you just get to see see those guys. Uh, it's almost interesting too whenever you're coming uh, into school, just because if you are a high level football fan, you've watched these guys. You know, you grew up watching these guys. Whether it's been, you know you were a freshman in high school when they came in a red shirt or whatever it was, you've seen these guys. You know about these guys. You watch national signing today. I mean, you know who all these guys are, and now you're playing against them. Um, so it's almost like. Uh, being a fan for a quick second and then realize like right, now I gotta go out and compete. Um, so I don't necessarily think you could get that same experience anywhere else. Yeah, that is for sure. I remember, you know, my my thing is I, I was watching um Under Armour All American game and watching Braxton Berrios who signed with Miami. I think he plays with the Dallas Cowboys now. I was watching all these dudes and then I'm next thing I know I'm playing in the SEC and I'm like wait a minute these dudes aren't really like you know. All the hype around him isn't really that real. I'm I'm right here next to him competing. It's not it's not that big of a deal. So I see where you're coming from. Yeah. So we go and we play, and you know we play four seasons. You you played pretty well throughout your four seasons, and you know you were looking up coming to the um, to the upcoming draft. I think it's 2018 year, right? Right. 
Yeah, and then last game, I think it was a Thursday practice, maybe, and we was doing, you were doing one-on-ones, maybe, or Wednesday practice, we were still in half pads, I think, and doing one-on-ones, and you planted wrong, and you tore your ACL right before the last game, and as people know, you can really get, you know, a medical redshirt for that because you had played too many games. There was no way the NCAA was going to give you, like, an extra year. How did that affect you mentally? Like, what was your mental mindset? Where were you in that process, and how did you recover? Uh, it was difficult. I think it was difficult. And because, one, it was a difficult season for us as a team. I want to start off with that just because we started off so strong. Um, started off so confident. Started off with such a high level of self belief, and uh, you know we hit a wall, and then you know we were fighting and crawling and scratching our way back, and uh, it was almost kind of one of those. All right, well, you know, regardless of how this game ends, we know that this is going to be our last game together. You know, we knew that we weren't going to be able to make a bowl game. Then a lot of the seniors were like, you know, we're going to go out here and give this everything we got, and then we're going to. You know, continue to pray and, and, and try to set ourselves up for success going forward into the NFL. Uh, and me being one of those guys that definitely had a, had a, had a great opportunity of getting into camp and doing well to make a 53. Uh, whenever it happened, it was it was it was extremely interesting because I had a place where I felt like uh, not only physically I had to be challenged mentally, but spiritually I was challenged. Uh, just because it was it was so unopportune. I mean, the timing was so bad, like you just said. Uh, I couldn't get a medical redshirt because it was too many games into the season. Um, it was just difficult. I knew that the timeline was going to put me in a place where I would be right around getting cleared. But you know, it'd be iffy if a team could take a take a shot on me. So um, I would say, honestly, the first month I was in a pretty dark place. Uh, you know, I was continuing to do do what I had done, but I was really starting to question some things. Um, but then I, you know, as I just continued to sit back and realize, like, everything happens for a reason. Um, and the way that it was set up, I knew that something great could come out of it. And that's where I really had to. It was also interesting because all that reading I had done, all the my spiritual journey that I've been on, uh, it was all put to the test at the great, the highest possible level, um, whether or not I believed that something could come out of it or not. Um, and all those books and everything that I've been praying about, uh, it was being tested and being shown like, hey, you know, what did you do all this for? Uh, for nothing. Uh, uh, you talk all about mindset, uh, you know, will your way into things and continue to pray. And uh, How's that going to look for you? You know, are you going to be your own testimony or are you just going to tell other people <laughs> what you've been reading? Uh, so for me, I think that was a, was a, was a wake-up call for me. Yeah, that's huge. I mean... That struck me right there. Just continue to tell people about what you've been reading or, you know, actually go through and prove it that you're, you know, living proof that these things can be done. And you're in your way, brother. I mean, you know, it's a long process. I don't know much about the AAF. I just know what you tell me. And it's its first year, so I'm just assuming it's going to be an uphill battle automatically. But you're there. So, I mean, just keep working and all that stuff. But... We get into it, um, you do that, you go through your rehab, and I mean, you had some, some good help, you had some people on your side the whole way through, I mean, explain to me the help and support you got throughout, whether that was Vanderbilt coaches, or, you know, 
um, you know, role models you looked up to and talked to about the situation or friends, like how, how much of that was a key factor of you, you know, staying true to who you are and still believing in yourself? I think it was essential. Uh, I definitely have my, my brothers, uh, all my teammates uh, around me just continue to believe in me, but also I had the coaching staff of Vanderbilt uh, continue to believe in me and the things that I that I was doing and just believing that the opportunity is still there as long as I uh, believed in myself. I uh, had talks with Coach Mason. Uh, he continued to believe in me. Um, also, had a great uh, support staff with the medical staff at Vanderbilt. They didn't have to help me um, because I was already finished playing, but they chose to develop a great relationship with Justin Mizzle, one of the uh, athletic trainers over at Vanderbilt, and he helped me. Um, and just that staff, I'm talking about, even when I left, even when I graduated, my arm still doing stuff. I call any of those guys up, and they can, they would help me through the whole process. I think that was essential. Um, I would consider that my quote unquote team through that time. Uh, you know, just talking to some of the big brothers that uh, I know that play in NFL. You know, they they told me to keep my head up. They they text me and called me throughout the process and talked to me and just continue to give me words of wisdom. Uh, reaching out to even former uh, Commodores that I played like Kenny Ladler. Um, and just reaching out to him and, and those guys and just talking to them and them giving me insight uh, throughout the process to help me uh, just continue to shape me and give me that faith to continue to believe uh, that success su- success will eventually come. It's always good to, you know, have that support group around you. I read that, um, I don't remember who was saying it. It was in a book and it, it was more focus towards you know relationship type things but he said that you know and brother brown always says this too kind of but i think it's in a different way it's uh the dog that you feed is the dog that's going to come up so i mean if you would have continued to feed into that you know i'm upset that kind of like mild depression stage then that's what would have reared his head but you you know put your head down got into the faith and you had good people around you the people that you hang out are also a source of you know feeding that dog and they believed in you so that just continue to show through your process and how hard you work. Right. So, yeah. And then we move on. We get past this injury and we go do tryouts. What was it like? I mean, hell, you didn't know much about the AF when you heard about it. You you just saw an opportunity and you were like, you know what? I've worked so hard. I'm gonna go do it. So like, how, what did you learn from? Like, I, I'm just. My question is. Sorry, I'm still st- st- stammering a little bit, but like. What drove you to go do this AF thing? Uh, like, you didn't know much about it. It was a shot in the dark. How, how did you hear about it? All that stuff. Uh, so, yeah, I was working by LA in the summertime, right around late July. And my agent um, had gave me a call. And he said, hey, call me back when you get a second. So I called him back. He said, hey, I sent you an email. Uh, we were in the midst of talking about getting an opportunity to the NFL training camp. So I was looking forward to that. But he had mentioned this AF, and I'm like, you know, I honestly felt a little offended at first. Because I was like, well, what is this? What's this new league? You know, I thought it was like a radar. Something wild. I uh, looked at it. It didn't really look legit. Teams didn't have logos. I'm like, what is this? Um, <laughs> looked at some of the names. I saw Mike Singletary. I was like, all right, uh, Mike Vick. I'm like, this this looks this looks cool. Um, so I looked it up. No information online. I'm like, all right. And that registration fee was kind of high for the combine. Um, so I ended up going down there or whatever. Still didn't seem legit, honestly. Even after I went to the combine, I didn't get a call back. Not until uh, not until the NFL season 
began and training camp ended that I see a bunch of guys from the NFL signing to these teams. Right. Uh, practice squad players, guys that got cut. I also saw some guys in college um, that didn't have an opportunity whether they got cut in rookie mini camp or during training camp. I um, never really got an opportunity, never appeared a season or anything in the NFL. They were getting on to, and they were some good guys and guys I played against in the SEC. Um, actually, a, a former teammate of mine, Darius Sims, was on there as well. Uh, he had got signed. Um, so that kind of initially was like, all right, th- this can be legit. Um, and as I started, I saw them putting more and more information out. I was like, all right. Um, and then what uh, really made me take the risk to go to the trial was just, uh, it was between that trial uh, for the Express or an arena football uh, trial that I uh, had heard about um, up in Baltimore. So initially, I wasn't going to go. Um, and then uh, some of my spirit just told me, hey, you know, take take the shot. Go ahead and go. I talked to the general manager. He said he was going to be evaluating guys, but I kind of thought it was a fundraiser, to be honest. Uh, it was like a $90, $90 fee. had to pay for my own way down here, pay for a hotel, all that stuff. But I said, hey, like, you know, what the heck? Uh, but I knew that it was destined, and I knew that it was from God for me to be here because the day of the trial was a year from the day I had my surgery. Uh, and it was just amazing how it all panned out uh, because I knew I don't believe in coincidence. I don't think coincidence is, is, uh, is real. I believe everything's on God's uh, timing. So whenever that happened, I showed up, and I just knew that it was going to be a great day. I was going to do wonderful. Um, but then even after, honestly, after I signed, after I got the contract, I still was like, you know, this this hasn't this isn't really anything. You know, we haven't really started anything. Uh, you know, we don't have any money in our hands, anything like that. Um, but not until I got here, not until training camp started, that I say like, all right, this is legit. You know, these guys out here can play. This isn't just you know some little makeup league with you know half half guys. Um, these are these are these are legit players. And that's when I really kicked in that this is this league's gonna be successful and gonna be here for a while. That's that's another thing I want to talk to you about. I mean, yeah, so far, I mean, the numbers are doing great. I'm really interested in it. I've been doing research on it. You know, I have nothing but time nowadays, so I do my research on it. And I think it's going to be great. I think, you know, you know the XFL is coming out in 2020. I think they have a lot to live up to because, I mean, the numbers that the AF are doing and how they're treating their players with the incentives and as far as the pay, I mean, the XFL is going to have to do a lot, but I think the AFL is doing well. What's your, what's your take on the whole... I said the AFL, excuse me, the AF. What's your take on the whole AF? Do you think it will be successful in the next coming years? Do you see some some tweaks that need to happen? Like, in my eyes, I see that they're going to have to hold another, like, a smaller combine because at the end of the day, like, there's so many college football players that want to play in the NFL, but, you know, the AF is an alternate route to get there. They're going to have to expand and have more teams. I think, you know, the, the... the 52 might bump up to a 53. I just think there's so many things that need to be done in the future because of how many more players are going to be able to, how many more players are going to want to do it. I want to know your take on it. Do you think there's some tweaks that need to be happening or what? Um, I would definitely say, yes, there, there are a lot of, there are definitely a lot of tweaks that can happen. I know that, um, I know Charlie just from, you know, things that he said to us, he's a man of his word as well. Um, and I know he's going to make the right changes to make this lead wonderful going forward. Um, and you're right, there are a lot of great football players out there uh, that are from college um, that, you know, need an opportunity as well. Uh, so they've been in talks about uh, adding four teams. I think the they released it somewhere, but it's came down to like eight different locations. It's like two in Ohio, um, one in, uh, they're like 
all over the place, but essentially uh, they are they are going to have four teams. Um, XFL, I'm not really. Some people have said that it might not. I mean, they've been talking about it happening, but some people are talking about uh, they may just decide to combine the, the leagues together just to, uh, you know, not have too much of a fluctuation in talent and everything. But I mean, in terms of this league, uh, yeah, it's only up from here. There's a lot of little things they can they can fix, but I see them making big changes. Uh, they're continuing to add people. Players are continuing to come in. I mean, guys are getting picked up uh, from, you know, the 2018 NFL season. They're getting added to teams, um, practice squad guys and things like that. So I think going forward, you know, they, they're going to have bigger combines um, and everything. They're going to have a lot, of, a, lot of, a lot of new opportunities. Um, I think the pay will change coming soon. Um, for guys and a lot of different things. So I think it's going to be interesting. I think the biggest thing will be how many of us get an opportunity to go to the NFL after we leave this year yep. will be the biggest thing. Um, and then also I think going forward, there are some older players in this league just because obviously it's the first year. Um, and I think going forward, especially next year, the league will be flooded with a lot of a lot more college guys. Because um, I know there's a lot of college guys who uh, came out that maybe were like, I don't know about this. I'm going to give the NFL thing a try again, and they were kind of iffy about it, well, I think those those guys are going to come back around and go to the trials and go to the combines um, to put themselves in the best position, that way they're not missing out on a season, and missing out on an opportunity to get film and uh, make money as well, um, so not just even at home or, or whatever like that, so it's going to be interesting. Yeah, for sure. Two things, two things. So, how's the whole team thing where I, I heard it was like, you know, where you played college ball and if there's a team in that area you can play there, how does the whole, like, where you play thing work? Because I've heard that it's also where your permanent address is, you can play for teams back there. I'm just confused on how that process is. So right now, well, the first year they did it based on allocation. So, you know, for our team, as basically all the teams in Tennessee, um, Kentucky, Louisville, uh, and then LSU, and then, obviously, Birmingham, they have all the Alabama teams, XYZ. So, for all the, the South and West regions, that's how they set it up. Everybody else, like Big Ten, ACC, anything like that, some of those Big 12 teams up north, uh, things like that, uh, those guys are allocated. They can go anywhere. They can get picked up by anybody. I think going forward, what they will do, and uh, this, is, this just seems like what they'll, they'll do, is that next year, I think they're going to be able to pick up anybody. I think they'll still have some allocation rights, maybe for one more year, um, but it just depends. I mean, because like one of the I know one of the final uh, eight or like one of the final ten cities that's available for the for the four that are going to be picked is like there's one in uh like one or two in like uh, Kentucky, I think, um, in Ohio, and I think some of those guys, those are all like between us uh, and Memphis and kind of the Nashville area up into like Kentucky and uh, rural. All those guys are allocated to us right now, uh, so it'll be interesting to see if they keep the allocation rights with some of them intertwining uh, between each other. Uh, so it'll be, it'll be interesting. I don't think they'll do it uh, anymore just because they had to do it like that. That way they can kind of fish out to go find the best talents and just kind of go into the areas and you know hit up those coaches and things like that and look for that talent. But I think going forward, especially into this uh, their first off season. Uh, It'll be interesting because they're going to be able to go and find those guys. I mean, it's, rep, it's reputable. We're playing on NFL Network. Uh, scouts are watching. Uh, scouts are coming to the games. Play the play is legit. Uh, so people are going to come out. Uh, people are going to try out. You know, like I said before, all the guys that were iffy, all the players that were like 
questioning it. They're going to come out this year. They're going to see that you know, we're actually getting paid. They're going to see that you know it's an, it's an opportunity to get filmed. We're the only guys on, on TV right now playing. Uh, and I think that they won't need to do the allocation thing anymore because there'll be so many people that they'll be able to pick from. Right. Uh, they'll, be able to, they'll, be able to, they'll be able to do it like that. So they can do a lot of different things uh, going forward. So it'll be interesting to see. Yeah, yeah. All right, now, I know I said two more things or two things, but I'm adding another thing. The whole, um, there's something cool that goes on with the pay. I mean, there's a lot of incentives, and I don't think a lot of people understand what the, why am I stammering so much? I don't think a lot of people know what the incentives are. Can you explain some of the incentives that you guys get as a defense, maybe on special teams or, you know, as a team in general? Yeah, so the incentives work a little bit like this, and we're still kind of figuring everything out. Uh, right now, but basically, uh, if you get a turnover, the whole entire everybody who plays defense uh, gets extra money. They get paid. Uh, we don't know what that amount is. We have no idea. Uh, if you play special teams and kick a field goal, I think the field goal, the offense gets paid. I think punts, um, depending on what yardage you, how far you punt in. If you pin somebody, uh, the punters and kickers get paid. On um, that offense, obviously for touchdowns and uh, fourth, fourth and uh, or. What's it called? Onside kick in this league. This is the fourth and ten play that you get. You get points for converting that um, as well. Uh, those are like the in-game incentives. There's also incentives for like certain things on social media that you can do. Uh, player appearances, uh, different things like that. Uh, they'll they'll compensate you as well. So it's, it's pretty interesting how how they how they're going about it. We don't know all the specifics, but I do know just from the background that's kind of the things that they've told us so far. Yeah, that would be dope. I mean, more money in your pockets, and it drives you to go out there and make plays. So, I mean, it works in both ways. You're good on both ends. So, we move through, and we're – how many games into the AF now? Is it four or three? Yeah, that was our fourth game. So fourth game. This is week five. Fourth game. How many games in the season are there? There are ten, uh, excluding the two playoff games. Cool. It's ten games. Fourth game done, almost halfway through the season. How do you feel, like, as far as, you know, your body and your preparation? How does all that play? What's the, you know, how do you guys go about weight training? Where do you guys practice? All that stuff. Uh, body's feeling real good. Uh, I know, Coach Mason Priest, you know, your body's your job. So, kind of <laughs> had that ingrained in our head at Bandy. So, just kind of developing those good habits as well so far with the body. Uh, where we practice, we practice in the Liberty Bowl. We also practice in Melrose High School. Um, we also practice in the indoor facility. Um, just kind of going different places. You know, the weather here in Memphis and uh, the Tennessee area, it gets cold. So, finding different places, raining, uh, when we get all, all the season. So, that, um, we lived at a place called The Box. Just a nice little place here in, uh, in Memphis. Um, Right, right outside of like East Memphis, we uh, we lived at it's a um, what's it called? It's a CrossFit gym, but we've been able to get some of our own equipment in there, so we're kind of creating in our own. Um, and yeah, and our facility is just right down the street from the uh, stadium, so we're kind of in the shed, I guess you could call it. It's kind of like a little warehouse, pretty cold in there, um, but we're 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 doing the best with what we got, making sure you to uh, take advantage each and every day. So it's going well. Yeah, I mean, how do you, how does, how did that transition work for you? I mean, granted, Vanderbilt doesn't have the best facilities, but I mean, you weren't having to go to a CrossFit gym to work out and you, you know, 
you know everything was at your disposal is it a little like is it a little like um culture shock kind of like uh, like how, how do you feel about that uh yeah it was a little bit of a culture shock it was um it's different because you know you're used to being at a facility in college where you know you have meetings you go straight from meetings down the lift xyz you go to practice you have an indoor possibly um even if you don't you still walk out onto the practice field versus here you know um, sometimes, you know, we got to go to our locker and then drive 10 minutes down the road to go to practice or go to our locker and drive 30 minutes to an indoor. Um, so just kind of going through that process of, uh, just adjusting to it was a little different. Uh, but once you get used to it, you get used to it. Um, and it, like Coach Singletary always says, like, uh, what we have is what we have. And we have to make the best of it and take advantage of it. And, um, even though it may not be the greatest, it's still ours. Like it's still our home, um, it's still our facilities, still our practice field, still our equipment, still our living space, still our meeting rooms. Uh, so we gotta take advantage of whatever we have. Uh, so just just having that mindset, just being thankful. I think looking at it from a gratitude standpoint, this opportunity is amazing um, to be able to pursue pursue your dream and get filmed and uh, get to the NFL. Um, God willing, is is all you can ask for. Really, um, everything else is just you know, a blessing, um, we're with everything on top of it, so just being able to have that grateful mindset, I think, makes it a little bit easier, but it was a pretty difficult time adjusting, just because it's a lot different than being at the university. Yeah. yeah. So, I want to kind of step away from, you know, the football aspect, and, you know, kind of get into more Trey Tarpley. What are, what are some of your passions, what are you passionate about outside of football? I know you used, I mean, you're probably still, actually, I don't know, you kind of like took a break from music i know you did a fast for music i don't know if you got back into it super heavy but you know you used to be in the music super heavy i mean i could come down to the the what was it the second floor or the third floor of gillette and i just i could catch you in your room and you wouldn't even be watching tv you'd probably just be listening to music and i mean i wonder if that's still big in your life i know your faith is super super important to you in your life i just want to know what are some of your you know hobbies and things that you're passionate about outside of football oh so yeah, first and foremost, I guess not really considered a hobby, but a lifestyle. Uh, just my relationship with Jesus Christ. So you know, I think that's that's the most important uh, thing for me um, in terms of I guess you could if you want to call it a hobby. That's something I do um, outside of football, just the lifestyle that I live. But uh, in terms of actual hobbies, yeah, I would say music is definitely still up there. Uh, definitely still listen to a lot of music. Uh, just love listening to music. Like I said, I can see I, I don't really watch too much TV. Um, but when I do, I like that when on uh, Netflix, uh, I watch uh, Ozarks, I watch a show called The Blacklist, uh, I also kind of go into, the, I like the Marvel series on Netflix, even though they just canceled them, I'm a big fan of the Daredevil series, uh, and I just, I just kind of like watching, I, I grab a few series here and there, I watch Power Empire, things like that, um, like to do that just to kind of get my mind away from football, um, just because I know for me personally, you know, kind of getting wrapped up in it was a little much, so I like to do that. Uh, I play play video games here and there. Not too much of a, of a gamer, but uh, I pick up 2K man. and uh, but yeah, music I would say is probably the biggest thing uh, for me. I listen to music all the time. Um, just sit there, can listen to it, like listen to the instruments. Uh, used to used to rap. So I was, was just uh, about to bring that up. Yeah, used to used to rap. So that was something that uh, that's really before I did that, I realized how much I really love music because 
I didn't even really want to get into rapping per se. I just would listen to so much music and I would just pick up different clothes and things like that. And I thought I was, you know, a great rapper, even though I really wasn't. But, um, you know, I just love, and it really just started my cousin, um, makes, well, like was making beats and stuff like that at the time. Um, so I was just always around music and just, just love listening to it, loved hearing the different instruments, how people put together, um, you know, rap, hip hop, R&B. Um, it's just how different people deliver different flows and things like that. So that's always been something that's, that's, that's been a big hobby to me. Yeah, I mean, what type of music do you listen to? I mean, is it mainly hip-hop and, and, and rap or, you know, listen to R&B? I know there's some gospel music in there. What, what, what are your top five genres right now that you got? 20 seconds. Top, top five, I'm going to go with rap. Uh, I, I classify rap and hip-hop differently, but yeah, I go rap, hip-hop, R&B, uh, jazz, and gospel, in no particular order. Okay. Those are my top five. Okay. All right, top five rappers of all time. Top five rappers? You got 20 seconds. I need it. All right, let me go. Tupac, uh, top five rappers, J. Cole, uh, Biggie, uh, Eminem, and, uh, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> Oh, getting down to crunch time. Uh, three. Let me go. Two. One. Kendrick. I'll go Kendrick. Kendrick. So, I mean, you have you have a mix in there. I mean, you got some you got some throwbacks in there before we were born type music. You know, Eminem's still around here and there, but it's not the same. And personally, I think Eminem, when he was back, you know, pill popping, unfortunately, I think that was when he was at his peak rapping. I mean, lyrically, he's probably one of the best ever i mean i might put him put him above little wayne i don't know what's your debate on that is you going little wayne or eminem lyrically uh lyrically oh that's missed. i i should have put wayne in there that really was a little disrespectful so i apologize <laughs> wayne if you ever hear this my apologies <laughs> um but uh yeah i would say for me um i had to go eminem and it's not for anything other than oh man because because only only because only because Eminem, like you said, when he was in that mode, he was just saying some stuff that was like, it was, it was like, <laughs> it was cynical, really, but but the way he was, the wordplay was just phenomenal, and I think like, he just does so well at making different words sound like he would, he'll, he'll enunciate them differently, so he'll, it allows him to use different rhyme patterns. And I think that that's just amazing. Um, they can both storytell and everything like that, but I just feel like that skill of his is the only little thing that would separate the two. Um, but yeah, that that's like for me separating like a Jay Z and a Nas. Um, it's it's hard. Um, it comes down to like little small minute details. So. Man, you might you might get some heat for that one, bro. You might <laughs> I get. Might, some... I, might, I mean, my top five probably gonna get some heat because now that I'm thinking about it. Like, I, I may have switched it up a little bit, but I may have just... Man, hey, I respect it. A man who stands on his word. Okay, that's dope. I mean, I'm, I'm a big hip-hop fan, too. I, I love the old schools. My dad's huge on Biggie. He's from East... My dad's from Ohio, Midwest, not really East Coast, but we, we huge on Biggie in my house, you know. MC Light, I'm talking... We, we go way back, so I, I really do appreciate good hip-hop. You know, uh, other things I want to know about, you know, we're... If you had a downtime, you know, in Memphis or if you were in Nashville, what would you go do for fun? What are the things you like to go out besides, you know, go out, drive and listen to music? What are the things you like to do for fun? 
things I like to do. I like I like animals, so I really I would like to go to the zoo. I've never been to the Nashville Zoo, but I heard the Memphis Zoo is pretty live, so I might have to check that out one day. Um, but I like going to the zoo. I also just like being in nature. I know there were cities, uh, but back in Pittsburgh, I lived in the suburbs, so we had a lot of uh, just different little like nature areas I would walk around with uh, when I was at home and just kind of go into the woods. Uh, not really, I, I don't like doing anything like too particular, um, just in terms of like a, a certain event, but I, I did like that. Um, just being outside, I was being cool, um, just walking around, uh, like I said, being in the woods and things like that. Not for any particular reason, just because, you know, I like the, I like nature, I like the environment. Uh, like I said, I'm just a big animal guy growing up as well. So it's always been cool to just kind of go to the zoo or anything like that. Um, but yeah, like maybe hit a museum, I guess you could say, just because I, I feel like anything where you can learn uh, just about like history, whether it's like animals or anything in, uh, anything in art history as human beings is also, is also pretty cool. Uh, that's a good experience just to kind of learn and also just see things uh, from the past and things like that. So I've kind of Man, I never knew about the, the zoo aspect. I never knew you were an animal, dude. If you could pick a, an animal that most like that most resembles you as far as characteristics and how you act, what animal would it be? Probably a leopard. A leopard? A leopard. A leopard. <laughs> a le no, probably a leopard. I was trying to think. A leopard or a jaguar. For the simple fact that, so like, like, Okay, maybe I'll go with Jaguar, because they're, they're, not, well, they're not really the same. Um, yeah, I would probably go with a leopard. Just because a leopard, they're, 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 they're pretty versatile. Uh, I like to think I'm a versatile guy, not just on the field, but specifically off the field as well. Um, so just personality, trade-wise, I mean, make sure check a leopard out, or what people call a black panther, that's just a black leopard. Um, you know, they sit in the tree, they like climbing, they're kind of chill. At the same time, when they get on the ground, they're about their business. Uh, they're going to hunt. They'll do what they got to do. But right when they finish, they're going right back up to that tree. Yeah. And they're just going to chill. Um, I think that's essentially what describe me. You know, I'm a pretty chill guy. I, I like to have fun. I think I'm out as well. But I'm also pretty versatile. You know, I feel like I can uh, hang out with a variety of different crowds. And I feel like I can uh, bring a lot to the table uh, around a variety of different people as well. Um, but I also know my place. And I feel like that's kind of how leopards are. That's how they move. Uh, that's how they carry themselves. Uh, they're not like the fastest on the ground. They're not like cheetahs. And they're, but they're not like uh, small like cheetahs as well. They're not like huge like lions. But they're faster than lions um, in terms of speed. They're kind of by themselves. I'm going to out. Um, so I feel like a leopard describes me the best. Uh, and I wouldn't say jaguar just because they chill down the ground. So I feel like I'm a, I'm a, I'm a tree type of guy. before I wrap it up and it's I guess I just want to know you know what did you major in at Vanderbilt what do you aspire to do after football and do you think your major could benefit you in that field major in communication um, with a minor in corporate strategy which is at Vanderbilt that essentially right there is business um, to say the least right uh, but I also feel like yes um, I would uh, I will be playing football whenever that tells me my time is up and I'll be a coach 
Um, and yes, I do think that it helped out a lot. I think that just being, and especially at Vanderbilt, because the communication classes are a little bit different, uh, the more on the uh, philosophy side, or on the argumentation and debate side, uh, you're learning a lot more about, uh, I, want, I don't want to just say speech, but kind of like history of speech, history of uh, different movements and things like that, but it also kind of just teaches you uh, just kind of how to carry yourself, honestly. Uh, it was, it's interesting at Vanderbilt, especially with that, with that major. And I think that helps out a lot. And I think, like I said, the corporate strategy minor, uh, major of studies, that will help out as well. Uh, just in terms of, you know, whenever I do get to coaching, whether it be uh, at the collegiate level or the end goal would be high school, just so I can spend more time with my family. But I think that will help out as well, just because I know that there will be some small, different little businesses that I want to start up. I'm just having the confidence to be able to do that from the things that I've learned, but also just uh, networking. I feel like those classes taught me a lot about networking, the importance of networking, how to network, um, decisions to make, how to speak to people, what opportunities to take advantage of, and whatever you do with those opportunities, how to make the best of them. So I think that uh, I think that it will help me in the long run. Man, that's good. I mean, I think at some point everybody wants to be a coach. I wanted to be a, a collegiate coach for the longest, and then I got to college and saw how, how much time and how like long, how much time they were away from their family and how much time they were putting in watching film and just I mean you get in what you put out of it if you want to have an elite team I get that's what you do but I definitely think high school if I do end up coaching which I kind of want to do but you know me I'm more into helping you know low socio economic youth through high school would definitely be the route but yeah I mean dude I enjoyed this interview this is you know i learned some stuff i did not know about you you know it was it was really interesting um i'm happy you believing in me and my my vision and my podcast and supporting you know black business and um as i wrap it up i just do this segment I do, i've done it with everyone so far but what should the people be on the lookout for from arnold tarpley i know you have this thing on monday nights you go live on Instagram and answer questions. Um, what wins the next Memphis Elite game? You know, all that good stuff. Anything you want to put out there, this is your time to do it. The spotlight is yours, my brother. Um, yeah, so we got Can We Talk uh, live on Monday nights. Uh, we started up by Trent Sherfield and Jay Fellman's. We had a special guest on there. Uh, so I was on there last week. Uh, so that's cool. You guys can check that out Mondays. Uh, but just in terms of me personally um, we've been looking forward to man finishing out a great season here in Memphis uh, and then taking my talents to some team in the NFL uh, you know and just continue to do what I've been doing since I was in high school I uh, continue to be put in situations where I have to work my way earn my respect uh, find a, an opportunity uh, to use my talents to be able to show people what I can do uh, coming in as you know what will be uh, I guess you could call it after after free agent free agent because I haven't really ever been in the league so I'm still considered a rookie um, into that situation from a new league I already kind of know how it's going to be uh, maybe some different looks some, some side eyes uh, some questions from you know, some of the people in the building maybe possibly it is what it is uh, but I know what I'm bringing to the table I know the confidence that I have and uh, I believe that it's all up from here uh, I believe that I went through the five I believe that God put me in that position uh, to see 
how I would handle the situation and personally I feel like I did uh, the greatest of my ability and um, I just like to say I'm on the upward path from here so success coming soon, um, new opportunities coming soon, uh, people don't know my name, they will know it um, and just continue to uh, live out the life that Christ has designed for me so and, uh, just continue to try to do the best I can every day so people watching uh, I think that's what you guys can expect from me. Man, you heard it here first. I really appreciate you, brother, and I wish nothing but the best for you in the future. Appreciate it, man. Yep.